Epilepsy affects about 3.4 million people in the United States. There are different kinds of epilepsy and a variety of treatment options. We're going to talk about them today with Dr. Victoras Police, a neurosurgeon and epilepsy specialist at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. This is UAMS Health Talk, the podcast from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. My name is Prakash Chandran. So first of all, Dr. Police, it's great to have you here today. I'd love to start by asking, how exactly do you go about diagnosing a person with epilepsy? Thank you for inviting me. And so let's just go briefly about what is seizure first. So seizure is a sudden and brief electrical storm in the brain. And if depending if that storm is local or, or spreads throughout the entire brain, patients can have a wide variety of symptoms or manifestations. Some patients may have uncontrollable rhythmic arm twitching, for example, or somebody may stop responding for a few seconds. And by the way, such seizure would be very difficult to notice for, for witnesses or people around. Or some patients may lose consciousness and the whole body goes into convulsions. All depends which part of the brain is involved. And as you mentioned, so an amount of patients having epilepsy, but on the other hand, it's, it's about 5 to 10% of people in a lifetime can have one seizure. So what is epilepsy? Epilepsy is a disease. And disease when seizures happen unprovoked again and again. So as you mentioned, Prakash, is epilepsy is affecting probably 1% of general population. So it's highly likely that one of each of us, we know somebody who has epilepsy. So to answer your question, how epilepsy is diagnosed, is diagnosed when, when a person or a patient or a witness tells us about the seizure. Then doctors have to prove that such seizure event was associated with electrical storm in the brain. And we do that by recording brain activity using EEG, which is electroencephalography. That is when electrodes are glued to your scalp for an hour longer, and we try to capture seizure which is it's not always possible given if that seizure may not happen at the moment EG is recorded. So often, but luckily, oftentimes we have telltale, telltale signs such as electrical sparks on EG. We call those spikes or sharp waves. So patient telling a story and we're recording EG. That's how epilepsy is diagnosed. Well, Dr. Police, I think that you have explained that very well. I'd like to expand a little bit more, though, and learn about the different types of epilepsy. Yes, indeed, there are different kinds of epilepsy. And again, it all depends which brain part is involved. So sometimes epilepsy can be small, as you mentioned. So it's called focal or partial epilepsy. Then patient may not lose even consciousness. They, For example, they see that that arm is twitching. Sometimes epilepsy can be generalized. Indeed, this medical term is generalized epilepsy. So then patient loses consciousness and may go even in the bad convulsions. On the other hand, epilepsy can be classified by the cause. So is epilepsy caused by brain trauma and then brain scar, or epilepsy is caused by brain tumor or by brain blood vessel abnormality, by genetic mutation, by brain inflammation, and so on. So on. there's it's numerous causes that can, can lead to epilepsy. So indeed, there is lots of lots of different kinds of epilepsy, but, but roughly we divide them in a focal and generalized. Understood. So let me ask a more basic question. Can the epilepsy ever be so mild that the patient doesn't even know that it's happening? It can. It's sometimes we call that the absence seizures. Then patient just stops responding for a few seconds and then just wakes up and keeps going. So 
patient may not know that he has he or she having seizures or, or even people around may not have idea what's going on because it it's very brief moments like few seconds so it may go unnoticed for a long time okay so let's maybe talk about some of the different treatment options for epilepsy and i'd also like to learn a little bit more about the risks of not treating it there are mainly four treatment options and of, oftentimes they go together so first of all like in many disease process lifestyle modification is very important when it comes to epilepsy, avoiding circumstances that provoke seizures. And patients may know what provokes their seizures, but universally alcohol, lack of sleep may cause seizures. But also avoiding circumstances when then the patient can get injured if seizure happens. For example, during driving, the car, swimming, climbing ladder. So avoiding those circumstances is very important. So lifestyle modification. Number two is medications. And currently, I think it's probably around 28 medications that are approved by Food and Drug Administration for treatment of epilepsy or seizures. Then, if, if that doesn't help, then the third option is highly specialized diets. And, and many of us probably heard about ketogenic diet, which is in the currently is getting modern even for people without epilepsy, but strict ketogenic diet can be helpful in epilepsy. And if nothing else is helping, a fourth option is a surgical consultation. We can briefly talk about surgical treatment options as well. So to answer your question, what's the risk of not treating epilepsy? Well, first of all, it depends how bad is your epilepsy. But you probably know that epilepsy can take your life, the cause premature death. And besides, besides just general quality of life, you, you, you cannot drive. It's hard to get job, medication side effects, but to me as a, as a surgeon, it's most importantly is, is premature death or, or so sometimes called SUDEP, sudden unexpected death of epilepsy. And patients face this risk every time seizure happens. More people die from epilepsy than from breast cancer. Many young people are lost due to epilepsy. So treating epilepsy is, is important on, on many aspects, but most important is to preserve your life. That totally makes sense. So you talked about four different treatment options, the fourth being surgical. So maybe let's go a little bit more into what it looks like to treat epilepsy with surgery. So treatment goal, regardless what, with which options we take, is seizure freedom and no side effects. That's what we all want, what all health providers want and patients want. Of course, treatment is started with medications, lifestyle modification, but we know by now, if you try two medications, and patient still has seizures, patient is, should be evaluated by epileptologist team that has epilepsy surgeon on board. And this is standard of care. So epilepsy team, I can reassure, will never insist on the patient to have surgery. Epilepsy team will, have, will help patient to understand what surgical options are available so patient can choose what's best for, for him or her. So when it comes to surgical options, there are truly wide choices thanks to the latest advancements of science and technologies, and thanks to due, due to the same advancements, epilepsy surgery is considered to be the safest brain surgery with very low risk of complications. When patient comes to see me or any other epilepsy surgeon, we look again how to achieve the, the, the same goal, seizure freedom or curing epilepsy. Good news, it is quite possible. If curing epilepsy is not possible for this particular patient, we look for other options and namely to decrease seizure burden that 
that is to decrease the number and severity of seizures. Good news, it is almost always possible. So somebody may ask, okay, so if you cannot cure my epilepsy, why do I need even talk about surgery? Again, to answer this question I already mentioned earlier, your quality of life, risk of premature death. So what surgical options exist? I would start with mentioning the most standard surgeries, such as removing abnormal brain cells. And I, I would continue about listing the most modern approaches, such as utilizing lasers to affect those abnormal brain cells or various small implantable computer devices that can stimulate certain parts of the brain and change the behavior of those abnormal brain cells so they no longer start electrical storms in your brain. So something else I wanted to expand on a little bit, you know, you talked about lifestyle modifications like the reduction of alcohol and getting more sleep. Is there anything that you can do by way of the foods that you eat that can help prevent epileptic seizures? One of mentions is, is a caffeine intake, reducing caffeine intake. But other than that, probably foods don't play significant role unless we go strictly for so-called ketogenic diet. Then then such diet, it's the selection of foods has to be done by, by specialized dietitians and, and epileptologist supervision because that's the very strict diet. But otherwise, for regular diets, the foods don't have much influence on, for your epilepsy. And who exactly does epilepsy affect? Should people of a certain age or demographic be more aware than others? The epilepsy has probably two peaks. First peak is young age group, children, infants. They, they have so-called febrile seizures when then they have some febrile illness, like mild infection, a fever, and then body temperature goes up. That can provoke seizures. And the second peak is probably at the second half of your life. Then you start having different diseases such as brain tumors, brain traumas. So then, then also can lead to seizures. But, but to be honest, no age group is spared from, from having epilepsy and seizures diagnosed. Okay. And one of the final things I wanted to ask you about is I understand that UAMS is home to the only level four adult epilepsy center. So what does it actually mean to have that distinction? Four means that it's comprehensive epilepsy center. And that means that every possible treatment option exists at, at such center, and namely UAMS. That means we have a, a multidisciplinary team with epileptologists, neuropsychologists, neuroradiologists, specialized epilepsy nurses, and neurosurgeons. We, as a comprehensive epilepsy centers, we have all modern surgical and diagnostic equipment and beyond. For example, not every level four epilepsy center has a surgical robot, but we're lucky to have one. Not every level four epilepsy center has own magnetoencephalograph but we do have. So Arkansas epilepsy patients are lucky in this regard. All they need come to see us for consultation to hear how specialized care can change their life. And my hope is also that every healthcare provider in Arkansas knows that such care is available and then easily accessible at UAMS. So just as we close, as a neurosurgeon and epilepsy specialist and everything that you've learned servicing potentially hundreds of cases, what's one thing that you wish the general public knew about epilepsy? I wish they knew that Epilepsy surgery is definitely not the last resort because epilepsy surgery is very safe. Results are very good. And there is no patient that we cannot offer something 
from the whole array of surgical options. So I guarantee after talking to us, patients will feel better knowing that help is available and that many options available so they can easily choose and then and pick what's what sounds best for them. Well, Dr. Police, I think that is the perfect place to end. Thank you so much for the education and for your time today. That's Dr. Victoras Police, a neurosurgeon and epilepsy specialist at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. For more information on this topic and to access any resources mentioned, please visit uamshealth.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of UAMS Health Talk. I'm Prakash Chandran, and we'll talk next time. Bye.